Welcome to Lost in Revision. All of our content is public domain, literature, fairy tales, and folklore. Our goal is to at least break even to cover our expenses. So any support that you can offer to help us reach that goal helps keep this podcast going and you entertained. All of our music is by Nathan Hubble and is used with his permission. Thanks and enjoy the show. Chapter 12, What Bobby Brought Home Part 4 Then Peter told how the boy came to be in the tunnel. Well, said the man, well, I don't see as I can do anything. I can't leave the box. You might tell us where to go after someone who isn't in a box, though, said Phyllis. As Brigden's farm ever yonder, where you see the smoke a-coming through the trees, said the man, more and more grumpy, as Phyllis noticed. Well, goodbye, then, said Peter. But the man said, wait a minute. He put his hand in his pocket and brought out some money, a lot of pennies and one or two shillings and sixpences and half a crown. He picked out two shillings and held them out. Here, he said, I'll give you less to hold your tongues about what's taking place today. There was a short, unpleasant pause. Then, you are a nasty man, though, aren't you? said Phyllis. Peter took a step forward and knocked the man's hand up so that the shillings leapt out of it and rolled on the floor. If anything could make me sneak, that would, he said. Come, Phil. And he marched out of the signal box with flaming cheeks. Phyllis hesitated. Then she took the hand, still held out stupidly, that the shillings had been in. I forgive you, she said. Even if Peter doesn't, you're not in your proper senses, or you'd have never done that. I know want of sleep sends people mad. Mother told me. I hope your little boy will be soon better. We'll soon be better, and come on, Phil, cried Peter eagerly. I give you my secret honor word we'll never tell anyone. Kiss and be friends, said Phyllis, feeling how noble it was of her to try to make up a quarrel in which she was not to blame. The signalman stooped and kissed her. I do believe I'll... I do believe I'm a bit off my head, sissy, he said. Now run along home to mother. I didn't mean to put you about there. So Phil left the hot signal box and followed Peter across the fields to the farm. When the farm men, led by Peter and Phyllis and carrying a hurdle covered with horse cloths, reached the manhole in the tunnel, Bobby was fast asleep and so was Jim, worn out with the pain, the doctor said afterwards. Where does he live? the bailiff from the farm asked when Jim had been lifted onto the hurdle. In Northumberland, answered Bobby. I'm at school in Maidbridge, said Jim. I suppose I've got to go back there, somehow. Seems to me the doctor ought to have a look in first, said the bailiff. Oh, bring him up to our house, said Bobby. It's only a little way by the road. I'm sure Mother would say we ought to. Well, your ma like you bringing home strangers with broken legs. She took the poor Russian home herself, said Bobby. I know she'd say we ought. All right, said the bailiff. You ought to know what your mud like. I wouldn't take it upon me to fetch him up to our place without I ask the missus first, and they call me the master, too. Are you sure your mother won't mind? whispered Jim. Certain, said Bobby. Then we're to take him up to three chimneys, said the bailiff. Of course, said Peter. Then my lad shall lift up the The lad shall nip up to the doctor's on his bike and tell him to come down there. Now, lads, lift him quiet and steady. One, two, three. Thus it happened that Mother, writing away for dear life at a story about a duchess, a designing villain, a secret passage, and a missing will, dropped her pen as her workroom door burst open and turned to see Bobby hatless and red with running. Oh, mother, she cried, 
Do come down. We found a hound in a red jersey in the tunnel, and he's broken his leg, and they're bringing him home. They ought to take him to the vet, said Mother, with a worried frown. I really can't have a lame dog here. He's not a dog, really. He's a boy, said Bobby, between laughing and choking. Then he ought to be taken home to his mother. His mother's dead, said Bobby, and his father's in Northumberland. Oh, Mother, will you be nice to him? I told him I was sure you'd want us to bring him home. You always want to help everybody. Mother sighed. Mother smiled, but she sighed, too. It is nice that your children should believe you willing to open house and heart to any and every one who needs help. But it is rather embarrassing sometimes, too, when they act on their belief. Oh, well, said Mother, we must make the best of it. When Jim was carried in, dreadfully white and with set lips whose red had faded to a horrid bluey violet color, Mother said, I am glad you brought him here. Now, Jim, let's get you comfortable in bed before the doctor comes. And Jim, looking at her kind eyes, felt a little warm, comforting flush of new courage. It'll hurt rather, won't it? he said. I don't mean to be a coward. You won't think I'm a coward if I faint again, will you? I really and truly don't do it on purpose, and I hate to give you all this trouble. Don't you worry, said Mother. It's you that have the trouble, you poor dear, not us. And she kissed him just as if he had been Peter. We love to have you here, don't we, Bobby? Yes, said Bobby, and she saw by her mother's face how right she had been to bring home the wounded hound in the red jersey. Thanks for joining us today. Check us out on Patreon. You can help us meet our small goal of breaking even and covering our expenses. Your support helps pay for all of the things that podcasting requires and helps keep this show alive and growing. If you can't afford to support us financially, go give us a good review, subscribe or follow, and share with your friends and family. Feel free to fact check us and offer suggestions to make our show better for you. You can also send us an email at lostinrevisionpodcast at gmail.com. There's a lot more waiting for us all at the end of the road.